Welcome to Beer in a Movie, the podcast where we discuss the two greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, but other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from your mouth, our mouth, all of our mouths, mouths. any other mouth that comes around. That's right. My name is Joe Hilliard. I'm here every week alongside my good buddy, Dave Gurney. And oh, he hadn't been around for a while, but we do have a third voice. You've already heard it. It is our very good friend, Ethan Thompson. Ethan, hi. Hi there. How are you doing? Doing well. I'm always happy to take these opportunities to join you because I know you expect me to have nothing prepared or <laughs> planned out to say and i can just make wise cracks mm-hmm. hot takes you can be, you can be the color so guy today I'm happy to do that i've seen the movies and i'm prepared for hot takes oh yeah, right. hey that's what you're here for on the hot takes yeah we're talking about two very interesting movies including one that if you are an after hours subscriber patreon.com slash beer and movie podcast you have heard david and i whinging about how it hadn't been available it was available and both of us got all three of us got to see it uh, but before we do let's get some beer in our glasses on. yeah I am super excited about this pairing. I know. You've been talking about it for hours now, Joe. This is uh, from Turning Point. They are firmly in the Five Timers Club. This is a quadruple IPA called... (laughs) Oh, good Lord. Give it to me four times. (laughs) Come on. That's an amazing pairing. That is a pretty good pairing. (laughs) And that will make more sense in just a moment. um, That is pretty good, Joe. Good job, Turning Point, with uh, such a great name for your beer. Turning Point beer out of bedford texas says our newest quadruple hazy ipa with citra strata and sabro hops juice bomb to the max let's open this up wow i think uh, nothing could be more appropriate than a maximum juice bomb when we're talking about a uh, film that's been so i don't think I've, I've ever had a beer that in a black topped can that like is interesting before. you're right i mean there's a, a sticker that's the label around it but the can itself is kind of like a bl- well, at least the sides and top are yeah. black. Huh. Interesting. Black like the black and white. Is that? Do you think that's maybe for higher ABV beers? Is this like a warning sign? Because what was the ABV on this one? Is a quadruple? Did you twelve point four? Yeah, we're going the Ooh, opposite wow. direction tonight. Okay, Ethan, you sat down and said, "Are we drinking beer?" Yes. Ooh, we're get, going get, to. get in, get in that. Uh, oh, it smells. That aroma it smells there. fantastic. It smells fantastic. Juicy, citrusy. Quads aren't your favorite, though, right? A quadruple. No, they tend to get too sweet. But I'm, I'm not sweet at all. I'm, I'm excited. Okay, good. Ethan's giving it a seal of approval right off. Oh yeah. I mean, did I hear you correctly? Did you say twelve point four percent? Yes. Oh my lord. Okay then. Strap in. Yeah. Well, yeah. Strap in because, (laughs) as Joe put it earlier, um, we're finally, finally getting the chance to see a film that we've been hotly anticipating. Yeah. For months, we, maybe even over a year. We threw in another Lanthimos film in the last just few weeks just because, you know. That's right. We, we were so ready. Well, you know, and we had good reason there with Barry uh, Kagan being in the uh, in Saltburn mm-hmm. and, you know, looking at Killing of a Sacred Deer back on episode 277 made perfect sense. Um, another one of his very notable performances. We, we enjoyed that very much. We had looked at Lanthimos's, uh The Favorite. Way, way, way back in episode 25. You were for the, here for that one, Ethan. Oh, I that was one of my favorite movies that year. It yeah. was my favorite <laughs> movie with a U. <laughs> yeah. I know, right? Um, but that was like four years ago now. So we've mm-hmm. finally gotten the follow-up feature from Yorgos Lanthimos, Poor Things, yep. his 2023 release, starring Emma Stone, who was also in The Favorite, uh, folks will remember. And they've already shot a follow-up film and a short film. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, he's got one locked and loaded ready to go. But also bringing on board Mark Ruffalo, Willem Dafoe, Rami Youssef, Christopher Abbott, Gerard Carmichael, among among some other uh, figures in there we might touch upon. Uh, The basic premise here being that we have a, well, I don't know, how do we describe him? A doctor in, in sort of a... I mean, we call it Victorian, right? This is a Victorian setting, but it's more steampunk, I was going to say, right? It's like taking the Victorian era and then kind of adding technology that didn't really exist Mm -hmm. at that time and and obviously being fanciful about the architecture and and, and other elements there. But but nonetheless, set sort of towards the late part of the 19th century, um, we have uh, Willem Dafoe as Dr. Godwin Baxter who's called God by by many, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as a sideline to his work as a uh, teacher of surgery uh, in, in London. He 
has his own surgical theater at home where he does some experimentation with different kinds of combinations of animals and blah, 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 blah. His most recent experiment we're introduced to at the very beginning of the film, a woman who he calls Bella, who he has brought back from the dead. Mm -hmm. In fact, the first shot in full color is her jumping off a bridge. Right. The first shot is Bella as her prior self, Victoria Blessington. Okay. You know, casting herself into the water, the icy waters. Uh, he retrieves the body and the exactly, adventure begins. Exactly. So he's resurrected this body, brought it back into being. But with the brain that he put in being an infant's brain, mm-hmm. it has to learn. She has to learn the ways of the world, what's going on. So it's not just a simple, oh, I brought you back to life. It's I've brought a being to life yeah. that needs to learn about the world, has no memories, has nothing there, no language. And what seems to be an accelerated rate of growth, of, of mental growth. For sure, which we would presume maybe because she's in such a mature body right. that maybe there's hormonal things going on. I Perhaps. mean, come on, there's good scientific explanations. But yeah, when yeah, we yeah, first yeah. meet her, she's, you know, wetting the on the floor. Yes. She's throwing dishes but the way that a she's a ba- three, four, She's like a toddler, would, basically. Right, yeah. we, we meet her in like toddler phase where she's banging on pianos, um, dissonantly, she's smashing plates. She's, you know, barely able to use, you know, ba, ba as he's leaving mm-hmm. to, you know, try to get him to stay. Godwin brings home, uh, a, a sort of, uh, precocious student, Max McCandless, uh, who is going to help him document the growth of Bella and, and what she does. Eventually, he even sort of pushes Max to consider marrying her. As she sort of takes on more language and becomes more like a young woman, so to speak. You know, just as they've sort of made that decision, he's proposed to her and she kind of roughly accepts because she's still a little bit, you know, not not quite there um, in terms of uh, intellectual capacity. She's also um, introduced to uh, the character played by um, Mark Ruffalo, Duncan Wedderburn, who is kind of this rogue. I guess he's a lawyer because he comes to drop some legal documents to help God uh, to basically trap (laughs) Bella in his uh, confines so that he can take. Yeah, he has a problem from the very beginning. Letting her outside of right. his tight control. Right. He wants to see her grow. experiment. Her. Yes, right. And so, you know, Wedderburn takes interest in her because who would try to trap this woman through this kind of marriage, you know, contract that he that he's drawing up for him and instead convinces her to run away with him, go on an adventure where he will show her the world and show her how it works and, and especially introduce her to her sexuality, which he makes clear pretty much right from the moment they meet that's right i'm a master i'm a master coxman they meet you will many, find none better <laughs> they meet many people along the way it sort of becomes a you know a, a road film of sorts yeah. although maybe a ship film because they they do end up on a boat for a while going to different cities being on this cruise ship meeting these different characters in different places and and we see her evolving throughout all of that there I, we go i was curious how you do that yeah, because amazing. this is a film for me that requires two viewings it requires two viewings to understand everything that's being hmm. said and the first time I saw it, weeks before you did, David, <laughs> I always uh, got every I, chance to turn the knife. I was really looking forward to it coming to our city so we could I could go see it. again. Well, you said immediately but like, I did. when you came back, you're like, you know, I'm not going to say anything. I can't wait. I think I would have to take a scalpel and cut my guts out and pull them out. No, if you were going to ask me to see this movie, this can't again. be the truth. I hated this movie oh, so much. Oh wow! No. I thought it was okay. This holy, is good. I'm glad. This is why we bring him. This is why we bring him in. Unenjoyable, <sighs> off-putting. Could, but could I? I okay, okay, wait. And I'll say again, I love the favorite, but I dislike this movie on many levels. Wow. Uh-huh. Well, we'll get into all of them, but let me ask you a question. Would you see it again if I no. strongly encourage you I, to? Maybe I there's something not, there that second I didn't time? think I was going to make it through this first this wow. city of even once. I, I couldn't found it have so off-putting. More, would you do it if we implanted the brain of a goat? In if I, <laughs> maybe, and, you know, maybe if I had a can of 12 point, whatever it was, AB in my hand instead of nothing it would have been all. more enjoyable it would have been more enjoyable right but and seeing i can't it at wait the Alamo to tell you what better. i dislike so much about okay well i have have having just david i'm having well, I a feel rush like, okay, of flashbacks I, I of the movie hour this movie the podcast that ethan yeah. and i did uh-huh. because sometimes we would get into these conversations where dude I am the polar opposite. This is oh, my favorite God. movie I've well, seen in 2000, uh, see, this 2023 release. This is why I like it when Ethan comes, because he tends to have stronger opinions. I have a very and, strong reaction and he, to this film. And 
he will uh and he will let us know he will not be bashful about it i feel like sometimes uh if anything joe and i align too much so i'm curious i do want to hear it but given that you've already kind of put it out there <laughs> that this is a a negative experience for you i'm thinking maybe at least joe and i should start by saying some of the things that maybe because i did like sure. this film i'll just i'll just be blunt about it i went to see it a second time only a day after seeing it the first time did you take aaron the first time aaron what, went what, with me. what was her general um she slapped me multiple times <laughs> i'm <laughs> no. leaving you for ethan knowing looks shake nodding her head at me. no she really enjoyed it she mm-hmm. she she liked it a lot too there's a lot of things that i would i would point out about this i i like the basic premise i mean taking this kind of frankenstein story um this you know kind of mad scientist mad doctor who is doing these experiments that he really should playing god with with the building blocks of life so to speak and then following that through further than i can think of almost any other film like i mean we're we're going to talk about a film that does something kind of similar in the second half closer to that original frankenstein it's so story so much more enjoyably so well <laughs> i i don't know if i want to compare them in that way but uh, <laughs> no, but it doesn't it's, go it's a rough it's a tough comparison doesn't go nearly as deep when it comes to thinking through the ramifications of what if you did create something like this? You know what I mean? Because with the Frankenstein story, it often just goes to it's a destructive, sure. you know, or everybody perceives Lumbering it as destructive. Brute. And yeah. Right. Whereas Bella, the uh, Emma Stone character here, who's been reconstructed and resurrected, she's accepted largely, even though she's questioned and people obviously are taken aback by some of her unlearned behavior, the things that she doesn't understand about the world that seem obvious to everybody else. She's not seen as a monster so much. She's treated more as a person who's developing. Well, she doesn't look like a monster. No, she that's true. Like she person. doesn't have the weird stitching, although right. Godwin does. Yes. We, we learn very early that Godwin himself was essentially a Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster experiment on the part of his father, who had been a surgeon before him, who was constantly doing things to just see, hey, what if I do this? What if <laughs> what I if take I, out this gland? Listen, what if I put this... I, uh, hot iron poker on your genitals. Yes. That was one of the things. Yeah. What if I he's remove a eunuch. your gastric? He, he does not have genitals. Yeah. What if I remove your glands that create gastric juices? And he so he's an uncommon man. One of, one of the funny recurring gags the is very beginning. that he has this weird device hooked up to him that allows him to expel gas, but it's through these bubbles that he has to like produce in this very, uh-huh. <laughs> like craning his head up as they're like coming out. Okay. So I liked how confusing it was at the beginning. It doesn't try to show you what's happening except through hints like the gastric bubble right uh like the animals that are roaming the inside and outside half goat half dog half duck duck, you know whatever it is yeah um he's a frankenstein he's a frankenstein creating experimenting with different species and the human species to find out what the limits are in it reminds me more of dr island of dr Dr. Dr. yeah he's doing the vivisection and creating new creatures you're absolutely that that, there's there's definitely some some overlap there so i think you know the premise the way it follows it through i like i like also the performances here in general i think Mm -hmm. stone is doing a fantastic job playing this character that has to go from being toddler like to being very learned by the end of it right. and and quite mature and quite and and make that all kind of convincing and i think she did a pretty good job i loved her facial the second time around i especially was thinking about the facial expressions especially in those earlier scenes where she really has this childlike joy when she does something simple and is yeah. like clapping and she's so or the, the way that sex the first few times yes which the, is for me a problem well, let's get into that. Sure. Well, I, 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 I'm, I, I'm not not with you, but I think that the film solves the problem that I think you're about to say. Well, yeah. So first of all, I did really like Willem Dafoe. I really enjoyed and I, his I don't think he mentioned his face. He has this. Well, yeah, that, this great makeup job of this like piece together face. Right. He's great. I thought I, I really enjoyed, genuinely enjoyed him. Okay, good. And um, one bright spot. Yeah. No. I overall Emma Stone. I thought did a good job too, and I enjoyed her performance. Strictly on like a quality film elements, not talking about the the content of what happens and what it's about. I really was taken out of the film by some of the other performances, which I thought were pretty awful. Oh. I thought who, who, Rami who? was terrible. Oh, Rami, oh. I think, does not have a future as a dramatic actor. And even worse was Gerard Carmichael. You know, he, I, every line had the exact same cadence. In, yeah. And I so much so that I thought, you know, this director, again, I love the favorite. I won't say it again. Uh-huh. Everyone is. I'd love the favorite. <laughs> 
but I don't feel like this director knows how to give actors direction. I mean, Willem Dafoe obviously is a yeah. fantastic, yeah. one of the greatest nature, a- yeah. actors of our, of, you know, the 20th, 21st, mm-hmm. whatever. And Emma Stone is fantastic too. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to someone like these, you know, comedians who want to be actors now, mm-hmm. he doesn't seem to know how to give directions to someone like Gerard Carmichael, who I do like. Yeah. And I've seen as a comedian. Yeah. As a comedian. Yeah. And Rami too. I, and Rami I will has go a there. I think, t- I think show. for me, Rami did a better job. I, I was not. I was not put off by him. And I think the first time watching it, there was a little bit of hesitation where I'm like, I don't know if I totally understand this character. The second time I felt more at peace with the character yeah, and, yeah. and what he Me was too. doing in Same part experience. because I knew where it was going. And so the stuff that was happening at the beginning kind of made more sense, but that's kind of I just separate. Want- but Carmichael, I will agree with you, especially a couple of the, li- and he doesn't have a ton of lines. But He's it's only a, got man, like, and it's a, but this is a part that could be terrific. There, there is, there is sort of a stodginess to the way he delivers the lines that doesn't feel quite as, it doesn't, right. fit it doesn't feel right, which is funny because the woman who plays his kind of counterpart right, on the ship, sure. and I'm trying the to- The wealthy dowager? Yeah, she is fantastic, right? A lot um, of those smaller roles, minor characters in this film, I just yeah. think, oh, this is a European actor that I yeah. don't know, and they, they're great character actors in yeah. it. That was I enjoyed H- them. Hannah Skygula, okay, who who was in a bunch of Fassbender films, and so she's okay, you know you long go. been like kind of a an actress in art cinema, and uh, but but great, <laughs> she is fantastic, and it makes the contrast between her and Carmichael a little bit more stark too. I think so. Yeah. This film reminded me of uh, these movies I used to watch when I was like thirteen. 14. Were they, these scrambled channels are we uh, talking about? This was <laughs> Showtime After Hours. Oh. And uh, <laughs> I believe it was Wednesday night and Saturday night at approximately 10 p.m. Central. You believe so? You wouldn't know for sure. but right. that- <laughs> uh, They would play these films that were softcore porn right. movies, and a lot of the good stuff was actually edited out of them. But right. or, or weird body angles so that you don't see. Right, right. right. The and, boobs full display. And often – the storyline had to do with a innocent young woman who naively ah. experiences various sexual escapades and, you know, that are out of her control. That's like a standard, yeah. not that I've ever watched it. Yeah. I've watched a lot of them, but, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, this is, this movie is kind of that thing, right? Like a okay, lot but it of doesn't it is stop about, there. A lot of the movie is about, from start to finish is about her sexual awakening and the wisdom she receives, blah, 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 blah. So, if I will just jump straight to why, why it bothers <laughs> okay, me. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm with you. It bothers me because it's different from beginning to end. She does change. But her sexual awakening is very much childlike mm-hmm. and very quickly goes from her pleasuring herself to right. having sex with other people still in this childlike right. state that was very – it was creepy to me. Mm. And Mark Ruffalo's character, who I don't think it did a great job either, by the way. Mm. Um, mm. You know, his desire to show her the world is really more about having sex with her as much as possible. Mm-hmm. She yeah. returns that. She wants to have sex with There's just a way in which I felt like the sex performances in that early part of the film were just – in a weird way too bound up with this because, childlike approach to her sexuality, hmm. which just made me really uncomfortable. I understand. But by the end of the film, okay. She's grown into her age. Have we said she is a grown woman's body right. literally yes. with an infant's brain. Right. She has a yeah. child's brain. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, okay. Statue of limitations. You guys know me. I've already said, <laughs> you know, that I'm not a prude by any means, but that really – I could not enjoy that. It really Interesting. made me. I didn't think about that the first time I watched it, but I was very aware of it the second time that I watched yeah. it. And I leaned over to the second guy, David, yeah. because he was in his right mind. Uh-huh. And I said, is this statutory rate? Because her body is, let's say 30. I don't even know how old the. the yeah, in her 30s. In her probably, 30s. Yeah. But the brain. And okay. So we, she learns <laughs> to masturbate. Yes. I did that. I'm assuming the two of you did, but we're not allowed to talk about that. Because of quote, yeah, I didn't know that when I agreed to do this episode. Because of quote unquote polite society, (laughs) Mm -hmm. a term used in the film many, many times. I think that this film is a dissection of 
sexual mores and other mores yeah. within the bounds of polite society's yeah. ability to discuss them. I mean, yes. I've talked about this show and even on the movie hour well, many times about how like, why is this rated R? The guys have their shirts off a girl. Yeah. Yeah. His nipples are round and a little darker than the rest of the skin, but yeah. hers are off limits because the breasts are large. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But if you're dealing with children, then we're going to have a different set of rules. Now, this is not a child. She's an adult yeah. with this child brain, according to the story. I got around it by saying that she's evolving in her mental capacity so quickly uh-huh. that at what point is she 18 of mind or 17 or mind? Or yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not going well, to ask when you guys lost your virginity, but that age yeah. of mind. Well, I, you know, I think along similar lines, I think why it didn't bother me as much as it seems to have bothered Ethan. It mm-hmm. did occur to me. I'm like, okay, this is kind of a weird scenario. Especially we have when she's child. masturbating and you know well, she's 10 or 12. The way that he, the way, mentally. the way that Lanthimos kind of brings it in is, you know, she discovers herself, as you said, like she discovers rubbing herself and, you know, the apple at the table mm-hmm. and that, you know, like, and, and then she wants to do it to others because because you know the, the and why uh, wouldn't I be able to? Serve I don't know the rules. Comes in, she has the sour face, and she's like, "Oh, you have sour face. I can make that change. Mm-hmm. Let me, you know, no, she's touching my hairy business. You know mm-hmm. that <laughs> she's kind of the perpetrator initially, and she she comes on to Rami. She's like, when he comes to her, Max, and says. You know, let's get married. I'd like to marry you. She's like, mm, can't we just touch genital bits? You know, mm-hmm. like, is, isn't that good enough? Can't we just do that? And I hear what you're saying. Like, she's still a child, but she's got a full grown body. She's got the endocrine system of a full grown woman mm-hmm. that has hormones that are going. And so to me, you know, what's going on in somebody's body when it comes to sexual thoughts? Yeah, part of it is mental for sure. Part of it is definitely what the brain is doing. But a huge part of it is what's going on with the hormones, is what's going on with all these other chemicals in the body that sh- her body would be producing and is and is doing this stuff. I just think that the, there's too much pleasure in this film and that early part of it, which is tied up with how she reacts in situations and the way polite society doesn't. Right. Yeah. So she says stuff. She says what's on her mind. She says what's on her mind. I'm going to go punch that baby. So then, you know, but then it's also, okay. And as a a child, if she, if you were a child and you had an adult's body and you had sex, what would that be like? Yeah. That's how it played. Big, but horny. Well, I did think about Big a lot. Yeah, because doesn't him. Big have a scene kind of like a It does, but he never quite gets it because his brain is the pre adolescent yeah. brain. having a slumber party. He's got the adult the, body. You know, the, yeah. 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 But I thought, I mean, that, that movie did come to mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I hear it. But so quickly it goes from, like, you're right. There is the moment where it's like the celebration of her having this, you know, the first time with a partner. And, and, and he has sex with her three times and she says, let's go again. And that's when he explains. And he's like, even the, hu- even the, even the human, even as good as a coxman as I am, I've got my limits. Yeah. So you're saying that men have are, a weakness. Have a yeah, weakness. This is a weakness. Well, I guess well, so. I guess and therefore the beer, give it to me four <laughs> times. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. still going to. Well, so, so there you go. Very, awesome very quickly it goes from being like, and I think as Joe has said, like it was easy for me to see the film more as allegory about so many things. And one of them being like the social expectations around sexuality and when, when it can be practiced, when it can't be, what, you know, in the way she speaks so frankly to uh, Martha, you know, the older woman who she meets on the boat and is like, well, I haven't had sex in 20 years. And it's like, Oh, I hope your hand goes down there sometimes. To right. get, you know? Can I ask you a, total, a different question about this? Okay. Okay. You know it, another thing that really bothered me? The goddamn soundtrack, the score. Oh, see, now I was going to say Do that I, was one of the need, big I don't need highlights. two hours it was, of atonal crap uh, that's like no. – It wasn't completely atonal. I, yeah. Most of it was. You know what? I was I watched a review. It's off kilter. I think it was Kermod and Mayo, and Mayo's like Yorgos Lathamos is just not for me. And I know that you've said many times, "Hey, I love the favorite, another one of his films." But I think that there's a tone here that and a level of sexuality that isn't going to appeal to some people. Uh, Sean, our, our guest, uh, has been trying to trick people into go to see Saltburn and uh, <laughs> trying to trick them. Yeah, because there's people that are going to walk out of that movie because it's just I, that's I still it's haven't too seen much. It. It's yeah. just too much. But it's on Amazon Prime now. Right? It's yeah, on Amazon it is, Prime, yeah. and there's no uh, statutory rape worries. Yeah, about. you don't. Everyone's have to worry of about age, that, yeah. but it, but it is very provocative and sexual. Um, and as is this film. Yeah. But I don't want to get bogged down in that's all that this yeah. film is. No, but it is a big part of it. It is a big part of it. And right. I can understand how, like, if, if I was 
hung up on it like Ethan was. I, yeah, it would destroy but my ability to the appreciate sexuality, the film. Let's talk about the, the third or fourth chapter of the film. There are beautiful uh, full screen chapter breaks uh, when, when, when Mark Ruffalo takes her to places. Lisbon. Right. And she's and wandering around for the first time alone and seeing this magical world that I don't even think exists. No. I think this is her childlike mind seeing the world for the first time and we're seeing a version of what she's seeing that is elevated mm-hmm. you remember how you yeah know, high school I, cafeteria actually, i thought about I, I like i wonder how this would be as a wes anderson movie because it's kind of like i think this- it's the most wes anderson like of his films <laughs> yeah, for sure yeah. there were there were shots where i was looking at it and i'm like oh this could be like, like the ship the, the, the attention like. to detail, the right. production design here. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that we'll get to the, is it Greece where they land and she sees uh, the, Alexandria? Okay. No, that, yeah. Okay. Because the, yeah. they say the boat's headed to Greece, but it, regardless. But I think they end up in Alexandria. Okay. So yeah. um, we'll get back to that probably. But then she eventually ends in Paris and she and Mark Ruffalo are penniless and she stumbles into a brothel. And the woman, the 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 mate, the, the madam, madam, the yeah. madam says, uh, "This is what it is." And she does it once, makes thirty francs or twenty francs, and then um, goes back to say, just very matter of factly, "I like sex, and I find myself in need of money." And this sounds like a fantastic uh, win-win for everybody. And she becomes a prostitute. Yeah, and that's when. I was like, all of the sex, like her first encounter with sex was with this guy that gave her great sex, Mark Ruffalo, who knows that he's good at sex. Her second encounter with sex was three thrusts and he was finished. Yeah. She's trying to not laugh at the customer because, wait a second, you're so different. Yeah. We are taught what we, we we are put in a box by our parents, in her case, God. Yeah. And that's what we know. That's the reality of the world that we are given until we go out and have our own experiences. Yeah. And that's what this movie's all about. Right. It's watching her track from... Well, it's seeing somebody come into their own in terms of sexuality and t- in terms experiencing of, life, but also in terms of understanding their relationships with other people without having the same level of indoctrination into social mores as we all usually do by being brought up in a family and having a, you know, schooling and church and all those things that kind of like mm-hmm. shape us and form us so that by the time we go through adolescence, we already have a lot of baggage. We, we know already, what the world is. We already know we're not supposed to be showing our privates to people. We already know what, you know what I mean? Like all that stuff that is taught to most of us when we go through that experience of growing up has been taken away in this, this case. And she's coming to maturity in other ways without adopting all of the social baggage that goes with it and then challenging the mores because of that and saying like well why can't i do that Mm -hmm. like why does this her her conversation with wedderburn ruffalo's character when she comes back from the uh the whorehouse the first time Mm -hmm. the brothel you're a whore that's the the worst worst thing thing a woman can do or or she even says like are you now you're gonna tell me that's the worst thing i can do he's like it is the worst thing you can do you know it's like that's polite society. Yeah. Talk. That's polite society talking. Right. right. There. And why is that so bad? Well, you were just talking about how celebrated you are because you can have sex with women and you're so great at it and you have sex with all these women and you're just going to discard me anyway. But now I'm telling you that I'm having sex and I was paid for it and I'm going to go do it again. You know, like, and now that's a problem. What What exactly is it that she turns his words on him many times yes. in the movie? Yeah. Some- Which is all about like. Men have what everybody knows. Men are studs and women are whores. Yeah. If they do the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, which is the movie's trying to like break that down a little bit or at least ask us, why do we feel that way? Yeah. But even larger than that, you can apply that, I think, to religion using the God allegory. If he is God, then let me at least I, I might return to God, but let me at least go out and, and live some life to see why am Be I making this? Yeah. I don't think it's really asking those questions. Oh, I think it's asking like, that and many you, more. You aren't these guys are assholes that are so pissed off about her having going and prostituted themselves. And so mm-hmm. they're hypocrisy is not one that we ever is ever portrayed as being reasonableness or justified or even real it's just they're cads who react negatively to her doing these things so, well the, she, you uh, ha- you have the cad of mark ruffalo but then you also have the the house husband. servant who teaches mm-hmm. the, the new because they replace Bella with another what, what is her name uh, Margaret Qualley Felicity yeah. is, 
who's there in once upon a time in hollywood yep. a movie i didn't like the first time i watched it and now so i love why. it so who knows the, yeah. the margaret qualley effect but, uh but but you know what I, but no seriously and she's just upset because she's a prude and she's like if you're you know whores are the, the whore's worst home. thing on the yeah whore's home yeah bell whore bell whore yeah. right. but then also her husband you know he has the same her victorious husband yeah, but he – you mean uh, Yusef, right? No. No, no, no. no. The one Victoria. that comes – When oh, she Victoria's and Yusef are going to wed, the husband from her previous right, life right, right, right. shows up. Christopher Abbott, yes. And he's okay, yeah. just a – he, oh, he's, he's a sociopath. Oh God, yeah. Like in a in a real – and you understand why she committed suicide. Like after – like she was being kept – hostage in her home mm-hmm. and, i mean he's well it's the same thing that god did except with locks on the doors and with guns right i've been in this position and i won't be in this position so shoot me yeah because i would rather die than live in a yeah. prison yeah don't though, disagree yeah though ultimately i don't judge god as harshly no no, no, no because no. he does see her as an experiment initially of and course. it takes him like kind of accepting no she is like a living being and i need to he let makes her hard that. paternal decisions this, <laughs> she needs to leave she's going to leave yeah do you think they're fucking yes i do you know I mean, <laughs> the second time That's, i watched okay. this another problem i had the dialogue and the the way that they said fucking and the oftenness with which they put fucking into their parlance. They also use a lot of cunts. They also use a lot of cunts. Not so but bad. Neither but neither did the electric cars the gondolas, that are above the, yeah. our heads. I mean, we're building no, a no, world. Here. Yeah, that's what I. That's what I mean. The world that they built. When I hear Rami say fucking, it's not that world. It's the Rami of 2022 or whatever his mm-hmm. TV show is. Yeah. Like it doesn't. Well, there were little elements of that even in the favorite, where he brought like some things that were kind of like more modern turns of phrases. I mean, into fucking. The I, to mouth. be clear, I don't believe it's a modern word. Right. You know, people in the 19th century. No, but did the glibness with which but he threw it off. I, the, I, I understand. You know, like uh, I just think that's throw, something that Lanthimos uh, does. There's just a way in which, like, if I watch an episode of Deadwood where there's <laughs> an f bomb every 30 seconds, it holds together in a way in which this just felt like again bad directing of actors who are throwing in f bombs huh. as they were well he wrote the script lines. so i mean they're delivering the lines written uh, i don't think he did re- write the script actually it was somebody for, else for the poor things yeah and it was adapted no it was tony mcnamara who, yeah. who wrote it You're of right. course but he produced and anyway that writing. that was just an example of along with the acting of those particular comic comedians slash comic actors didn't work for me it, it kept taking me out of the film and i I thought, because I did really like Willem Dafoe, God, mm-hmm. maybe a little heavy handed, hey? On purpose. No, it's on the nose obviously. on purpose. I mean, yeah. And, and, and it's, yeah, Godwin. But the, the his makeup, I was wishing that the other characters had had a little bit of that, like physically. They had been more different. like caricature. You know, her, her eyebrows and kind of accomplished that, yeah. I think. And she's just a distinctive enough actress mm-hmm. that, that they played up. I was wish there had been a little bit more of that. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I loved the frankness of it, and it sounds like that's the thing you didn't. What like was about frank? It. it was all this is well, the saying. Do do yeah, do you a, think a, they're fucking? Well, and it's a very provocative film. I mean, I'm talking about the sexuality, and then the language used the about movie? the sexuality. Hey, are we going to do our furious jumping now? <laughs> but that's not. <laughs> frank are you are you done with your tongue? Jumping? Well, because uh, she hasn't been told the the words that other people use for it. You, you know, are, she's. Are we not having fun tongue play? Is, oh, it, yeah. is this over? And, yeah. and, and the second time I watched it, I was laughing much more than the first time because the first time you're just seeing so many things that you've never seen before. Yeah. And the second time I'm, I'm able to settle in and, and enjoy the, the dialogue. I, I, I'm I'm amazed at how different. I really, we, I really, especially on the score, this. because I really did love the score. I did in too. Film. In like fact, the, I walked outside and put the score on my car to drive home. I mean, I don't know. If you, I, I don't know if it's one that I'm I want. Not. I don't know if it's one that I want to listen to separate from the film, honestly. But I thought it worked incredibly well with the film. I'll try it. I'll t- I'll give it a shot. Yeah, maybe I was in a bad mood. Who knows? Can we talk about filmmaking real quick? Talk about whatever you want. Do you want, remember Joe. what Carlos didn't like about the favorite the most? But uh, the three of us in that conversation the, was it the wide angle? Yeah, the fisheye lens, which he definitely is doing here. The f- second time I watched it, I was trying to figure out when he's using it and when he's not as some kind of larger yeah uh, someone whispered it's from her point of view i'm like no it's not because we're using it when the two men are walking down the street without her even around yeah well and also you're seeing shots of her you can't that's not her looking at herself for most scenes yeah 
they must have done coverage with a regular lens and then reshot the whole thing with the fisheye lens and then figured that out in editing. But or they the, just did it all in editing. Applied a fisheye effect? Yeah, sure. Oh, I don't think so. No, no, no. They used a 16, mil, mil, yeah. 16 millimeter lens on a 35 millimeter camera to create the uh, shots where it's a circle. The iris look. Yeah, yeah, it's a circle. Yeah. And then there's a wide angle. There is no. There is no. Rhyme or reason to when it's used and when it is it, not. I mean, it does tend to happen in so the most pronounced like a, way when it's like a moment of like awakening or transition or something important happens. I'm, I'm, believe me, I'm going to watch this movie many, many like times when and I'll figure it out. But I think it's just a chaos, I feel like a demonstration of the chaos. At least a couple times where she kind of had like a meltdown where where she got upset about so, like when they're in the carriage. And she starts fighting with them she because wants she to realizes go she wants to go outside and why the can't carriage. You go outside? And that's one of the first times we get one of those like really iris shots of the fish eye and they're fighting with her in the in the uh, horse carriage or whatever. To me, the allegory here oh, is the second filmmaking thing. So the second filmmaking thing was black and white and color. Yeah. Uh, because the first ch- the first large part of the movie is in black and white, and then it shifts Before to color she leaves. But when she leaves. The adventure is in color. And the color. first color shot is her having sex. Well, the first color shot is her jumping off the bridge. Well, that's right. But the first after the black and white. To, yeah. When, yeah. You, when she's brought to life, is that not? Well, that, I, that's okay. all in color. No, yeah. no. Okay, so color at the beginning, then black and white, until he recounts the her, her, her being discovered by him when right. when uh, Max realizes, sees his nose and it's like what's going on here how mm-hmm. have you created her and then he's recounting how it all happened that's in color and the, the Frankenstein the electricity yes. and how she's brought to life right. is all in color then back to black then and back white. to black and white and then it resumes color when, when she she's gets to Lisbon yeah. yeah we saw this in Maestro recently black and white in the past color kind of present yeah. to the yeah. future this was handled so so well I, this, Ethan this is a master. why do you think it was handled well and not just randomly well, it's not random. It seems like a lot of fish overdone. Eye, the fisheye is random, I've decided. I think that's a dis- yeah. demonstration of the chaos. I started wondering, I st- it's because of Willem Dafoe, I started uh, going like, wait, wait, this guy, he didn't direct The Lighthouse, did he? No, that you was know? Eggers. Yeah. yeah, it was. But um, yeah, no, it's a lot of affectation. <sighs> Fascinating. I think, you know, I think you're going to watch this again. I think you're going to be in the right frame of mind. I think you're going to realize, I wish I hadn't said those words on a podcast i don't know i feel like i think uh, yeah maybe maybe i just wanted you know to have a nice uh erotic uh film that didn't make me feel (laughs) creepy well i will say it did not feel erotic to me i will say it did not turn me on. no no it's not a turn like i i understand where you're coming from that it it's troubling in some ways but i found it more humorous than i did erotic really even though she's you know, sometimes very actively into it, and part of it is showing how happy she is yeah, and the I energy don't know. expression on her face. Remember what Gerard Carmichael says to her whenever? Okay, so I said we'd get Cheers back to, to this. her for doing this film. There are chapters here where she, where someone says to her, "Let me show you the real world," and she always says, "Show me." Yeah, she does it with Mark Ruffalo into Lisbon. She yeah. does it with Gerard Carmichael in Alexandria. What Gerard, what Gerard Carmichael shows her is um, human suffering. Yeah. Which she has never really seen before. Right. She's lived a pretty affluent lifestyle up until then. If you right. Consider a wealthy the, yeah. surgeon who she, yeah. And she sees dead babies and poverty and, you know, it's a very, it's a big shot of this. Yeah. And he says to her, we are born animals and we die an animal and everything in between is a construct that is given to us. By someone who's trying to take power over us. He mentions capitalism, socialism. He mentions a list. Yeah. The brothel. So she goes to work at a whorehouse for a little while. That is her introduction to capitalism. Uh, there's a cost of goods sold, $10 to rent the room, and then $30, yeah. and you get to make 20 for every time you bang yeah. a dude. Yeah. And she's not unhappy with it, and she has suggestions, but the... She Overlord there, the god there is the madam. Yeah. Who, when she comes in uh, in her bikini or whatever with uh, <laughs> tattoos all over her body, it is just so visually stunning. Now, that's the same at Catherine Hunter. That's the same actress uh, from uh, Macbeth, the tragedy of Macbeth, mm. who, who played the witch. That, that weird so contortionist. Much, yes, yeah. yes, 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 it, yes. So she's, she's a really interesting presence. And I thought, she, I mean, her version of affection where she goes and like bites rabidly the ear the ear and then later her it's leg. like looks like her leg yeah. or something you know like as she's going like that's that's a little interesting but i right have there. power over you this way if you want right. to continue this relationship making 20 dollars a pop yeah give me 10 then i get to bite you 
Right. I get to draw blood because I am the power here. So we see hedonism, Mark Ruffalo, Lisbon. Yeah. We see well, and we see human suffering. We see these stages of what we, I imagine, yeah. all three of us have gone through in life. Probably had pretty great lives growing up, but there was the time you saw the first homeless person, yeah. and you had these questions. And what are the questions that you asked, and how satisfactory were the answers that you were given? And yeah. this film allows us to watch her go through. All of these things, uh, exploration of capitalism, and and then finally, guess what? She goes home. It's, it's, I, I thought this movie was fantastic. Ah, I wish you liked it more. Visually it, stunning. I thought it was oh, visually amazing. brilliantly performed for the most part, with maybe the exception of Carmichael and, and maybe that's a couple my big, other small moments. That's my big X mark. You agree with that? Uh, Gerard Carmichael was a little wooden. He's not an yeah, actor. Yeah, uh, I understand. But again, I thought the score was great. Interesting I, casting. I think, maybe I think, I'm just of higher moral character. You might be. Or I just don't. I have a hang up with eyebrows. That I could think, be it too. I think you're just a member of polite society where David and I are not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm glad we at least got to discuss this one. And I, and I think that it's one that. Don't listen to Ethan. It's so, so good. Well, and I was going to say at the very least, I think even if you hear Ethan's perspective on it, you're going to have some curiosity. Like, how bad can it be? Yeah. And watch. 20 minutes of it and if you can't take it turn it off yeah i mean it's yeah it's like maybe 30 40 minutes into Mm. it that you hit the sexuality right that well so so i didn't finish the story sean my buddy who's trying Uh our our guest uh, who comes on some from time to time via zoom uh was trying to trick people to go see saltburn and some friends went to go see poor things they walked out in the 30 minute mark or so they told him and then when it won the golden globe for best comedy musical is that the one that it won right yeah um, they were like, well, shit, maybe we should go see this thing again. So the second time I saw it, I was like, well, what's going on around the 30 minute mark? And that was exactly that it? it was the when she was having sex with Mark Ruffalo for the first time. Okay. Frantically, urgently, loud. I yeah. did whisper, hold on, is she of age? <laughs> she yeah. is technically, but is she? Yeah, yeah. I understand yeah. your point of view there, but I thought this movie was a masterpiece. Fantastic. Better than The Favorite. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think it's an improvement over The Favorite. But I love The Favorite. If I've seen The Favorite twice, and I'm the third time I'm about to watch it again, it's scheduled, I will be looking at the fisheye use to see if it's just as right. <laughs> Definitely a lot less. Less, but there. I mean, very yeah. notable. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we, we, we've done Lanthimos three times on the podcast. Give it to me four times later. <laughs> you know that. What would be the fourth time if we didn't uh, let the most? Well, Dog Tooth, I I need to see. I need I've to had see many people lobster, tell me Dog We have not. We haven't. I've seen Lobster, but I yeah, but we haven't yeah. discussed it on the podcast. Three of his films now. Yeah. But I'm, I'm kind of feeling like Dog Tooth will be the next one unless good, it's a new good, film. I haven't seen it. Yet. But yeah. But we do have this. Give it to me four times that we've uh, poured out of the black can into our glasses, and we've been sipping on during this part of the uh, program. We all thought it smelled great at the beginning. Ethan even gave. Gave us a little uh, teaser where he said that the flavor was there. I don't uh, play by the rules, Dad. That's all right. You know, hey, you, the, well, we flaunt society's rules when we're watching <laughs> movies. You flaunt it when you're drinking beer. <laughs> Joe, what are you thinking with this one? You know, sometimes I have to remind myself what a quad IPA is as opposed to a triple IPA, a mm-hmm. double IPA. And it's all, you know, the malt bill required to get the alcohol level up, you know. Mm-hmm. And so when you start to do that, it moves away from the fruity and the 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 subtle and it takes on a real bigger you know yeah. flavor profile i do not mind that with this at all at mm-hmm. all uh, i i drank my first pour quickly and i quickly tried to grab more before we ran out of beer yeah. i think this beer is um exceptional extra points for the high abv because mm-hmm. i always give it a, a high, high abv <laughs> points extra I haven't had much to eat today. Like, I'm slurring my words. <laughs> well, I think that, 12. That, 4 is kicking that, in. that I've had double IPAs that taste more boozy than this. Yeah, does. yeah, yeah. Oh, this I does not taste no, like a doesn't. barley wine. It's, I mean, it's of, it's definitely intensified. Like, yeah. I, I, if you gave this to me blind, I think I would at least guess it was a double IPA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think I would think this was just a standard IPA. No. But yeah, to be a quadruple, to be 12.4, that would shock me. If you said, oh, no, this is 12.4%. I would be surprised. I think it does a nice job balancing the malt bill mm-hmm. with the hops. Yeah. And mostly teasing out the juiciness of the hops. I think it's mostly there's citrus. A, there's a very fruity flavor at the end there that I'm mm-hmm. enjoying very much. Little tropical, yeah. little, little mango in this there almost. This is this is a really, I mean, Turning Point has not disappointed and I don't expect they may ever because they know what they're doing. And, uh, and, and this is just a fantastic, you know, so yes, quadruple IPA is probably never going to be my go-to style. <laughs> but if I go to a brewery God like Turning us. Point 
and they have something like that on tap, I'm going to get that as one of my choices in the flight probably because I'm going to see, can they they make that work? (laughs) Is that okay? Okay, these guys can. All right. Duly noted. I still don't want a four pack of it, but I'll take a nice four. I bought the four pack and y'all might leave with one. Uh, (laughs) All right. Well, when we come back, what movie could we possibly have paired with four things? A Frankensteinian story (laughs) with a female lead. I think I've laid it all out for you. When we get back. And we're back. All right. Indeed, we are. Fantastic. I'm Fantastic. still thirsty, David. Yeah, we always are, right? Uh, and, and so we're going to need some more beer in our glass. And for this second half, Joe, you, you've procured us another beer from Turning Point. Super hey, man, excited about that. such a that. good job the first half. Let's go. Let's keep going. Yeah, an all Turning Point episode. Let's do it. Uh, this one is a different style, and we're stepping down in ABV. This is an Irish red ale. It is 6% alcohol by volume. But the name, I think, is what drew Joe to it, at least in terms of pairing it with this second film uh, that we're going to be talking about this episode. It is called You'll Never Drink Alone. While we talk about a film uh, about looking for someone else in the world, I guess, maybe, who, who's like you or, or maybe at least would like you. Killian's Red. Yeah. That was one of those beers back in the day before – the craft beer explosion, right? That, How are you like, guys? You might try. I Killian's poured the rib. end of that can, and I'm definitely getting some chunks. Like, uh, some, are you saying <laughs> you guys getting mine? Um, yeah, I think it's more towards. I think I got more of the sediment at the bottom of mind. it, which is mind. fine. No, no, it's just spent yeast. Yeah, I think that's just the, end of, the end of the can. But, we have yeah. another one there to open if we get through this. Back in episode 110, David, we did our very first episode of All Horror October. Uh, and we decided to go back in time. It was psycho, but we paired it with the original 1931 James Whale Frankenstein. Yes. Then in episode 269, with this most recent All Horror October, The Bride of Dankenstein mm-hmm. from Mason Aleworks. Oh, had we not done that, that would have been the perfect pairing for the film we're going to discuss today. James, James Whale's 1935, four years later, the first true Frankenstein sequel. The Bride of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Boris Karloff is back as the Frankenstein monster. And the, the, the prologue to the film is Mary Shelley, the author of the original Frankenstein novel, having a glee and gay conversation with her. What do they call themselves? Like, literally, the dude calls the himself. Romantics. The, the yeah. us high and mighty elite Lord or whatever. Byron and, yeah, and Percy. Uh, Percy Blythe Shelley. ghastly novel you wrote, Frankenstein. Well, actually, no. It was a uh, novel cautionary that I wrote tale. to. Yeah, it was a, a cautionary tale about men playing God, etc. Right. And then bang, straight into the action. Right when Frankenstein, you know, if you remember 1931 Frankenstein, they he drags the Dr. Frankenstein up to an old mill and they set it on fire. Well, hey, the action's just picking up right there. That's right. And there's an underground kind of like water area yeah. that you would have imagined from a mill, if it's a water-based mill, where Frankenstein has been able to hide. Remember in Frankenstein when he killed the little girl accidentally? He didn't know he was right. doing anything wrong. He threw her in the river. Well, her father says, I can't live. I can't go home until I see the charred bones. A Frankenstein. Well, he's the first victim because guess where? He goes down there. Frankenstein's hiding. Kills him. Kills the wife. Proceeds to go into the forest or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. But then Dr. Pistorius, right? Is that, do I have the right? Pistorius? I think you're thinking of Oscar. Yeah. Oscar Pistorius. He shows up. This is Dr. Septimus Pretorius. He shows up to say, I've heard about your work. And I've been doing some life creation of my own. Come to my home to see it. Where he's got in jars, <laughs> 12 inch tall humans that he's created. Love from, that whole bit. Homunculi. Yeah, from cultures. And mm-hmm. together for reasons that we may get into may not, it may not be that important. They team up to create for Frankenstein, the monster. Oh, remember, um, Young Frankenstein, where Gene Hackman is the old blind man in the cabin. Well, all of that is based on the stuff from this movie, because mm-hmm. Frankenstein, as he's trying to evade... Frankenstein? <laughs> as he's trying to evade being killed by people that hate him, yeah, sets up with this um, blind man who teaches him language. Friend. Good. Mm-hmm. Smoke is good. That was, uh, that's, Having a cigar is good. Can we talk about good. that scene? 
I love that scene. I've never seen this film before. I've seen the Oingo Boingo Weird Science video many times mm. that has a scene where she's alive, she's alive, right. as everyone has. Yeah. You know, I would tell people who are, why should I watch this movie? I think you'd be surprised by the production quality of it. Oh, yeah. You know, this is a universal major studio, right? Yeah. At that point, right? Yeah. yeah. Although with the, one of the less uh, prestigious, wealthy ones. But known right. for doing known monster, for monster movies, classic for sure. universal yes. 30s horror movies. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you might be expecting like these this B-movie quality to it, but they have these really elaborate indoor sets mm-hmm. um, and models exploding yeah. and I think it's a really enjoyable film. I love this movie. <laughs> yeah. But, I thought it was great to watch. But with that blind dude. Particularly that scene. But with the blind dude, Frankenstein's Frankenstein monster sees for the first time the idea that there can be camaraderie. I can have friends. I can have a companion. I can have someone to hang out with without being shot. And uh, he and Pretorius decide that they're going to make him a, a lady. And right. then at the end, of course, uh, Bride of Frankenstein, everyone's seeing the imagery of her, comes up and rejects him the yeah. way that the rest of humanity did. And the uh, castle blows up, the laboratory blows up, and we are to assume that they are. And there. I think she just screams, right? She doesn't ha- She doesn't, she have doesn't any speak. Language. She no, just yeah. screams. Yeah. Right. She's like a young Bella. Despite Elizabeth being Elizabeth, I think, right? The Wait, doctor's she's not bride. Elizabeth. Oh, I'm sorry. She is the same actress playing Mary Shelley. She is. Yes. 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 Right. Yes. Because Elizabeth is being kind of held hostage. Yes. That's why Frankenstein goes along with the. uh, It is. It's Mary Shelley. Yeah. The reason why I think they. I mean, this was a huge budget film at the time because the first one was so successful. And Carlos had done. Carlos. (laughs) <laughs> Karloff had done so much work between the two films, including the the Mummy and other huge money making films. That of course we're going to make a sequel. The first thing I noticed when I was watching the film was Karloff. They don't, don't, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They don't even say it's his Karloff. first name. Karloff in The Bride of Frankenstein, which became the thing that Universal did for all of his films after the success of Frankenstein. Just his last name is all we need. Mm-hmm. He's Cher. He's Madonna. But that there's some comedy in in it too. Oh, oh, it, oh right? big time. And I mean, the scene where he, I would like a whole movie that's just him walking, Frankenstein walking into places, thinking everything's normal and people just freaking out. Because yeah. it happens over and over again. He's like, hey, how's everybody? Ah! <laughs> but then, you know, yeah. he meets a guy who's blind. Right. Yeah. And they, they hang if out. If I can't see like, how disgusting or or anti-human you are, then we can just You be must friends. have an affliction like me, my R- friend. Right. Yeah. yeah this is- <laughs> and now I'm going to smoke you out. Friend. Friend. <laughs> friends are good. Wine. Bread is good. Wine. Fire is yeah. good. Yeah. And then ultimately uh, smoke. Uh, yeah. it, but I, he lights know, a match to, to light a cigar and Frankenstein freaks out, as you imagine he would, because the guy, everyone tried to burn him to death. Right. And then, uh, no, no, smoke is good. And then- uh, <laughs> Carlos taking like three huge drags off that cigar <laughs> and he shows up at the next place. Smoke? This <laughs> is just a stoner film, really. Yeah. James Whale uh, James Whale said, I don't want to do the next Frankenstein, but uh, according to this thing I'm reading here, it believed that the sequel could not top the original, so he decided to make it a memorable quote unquote hoot. Yeah. And he pulls it off. Yeah, if and you know, uh the bride, she's only in it for like, I don't know. Three minutes. Uh, yeah, if that. This, yeah. There's no third act to this film. No. No. Whatsoever. It's an hour 15. It's so yeah. tight. Yeah. I, I mean, I, th- I think that's part of the fun of, of this film is that it does not – it does not seem to care about normal pacing. It doesn't seem to care about, you know, th- th- that that the monster has to be the focus. It gives us this long stretch where it's, you know, Frankenstein and uh, and Pretorius kind of talking through what Pretorius wants to do and the whole mini people. Yeah, it's like we've got this people. special effect we can do, guys. Right. How can we fit which it is, in the movie? It, it totally is like this weird It mo- does. Look, it feels a little I queen. forget. I've seen this film. Uh, probably this is my third time seeing it, I think, at this yeah. point in my life. And- Every time I see it, I forget that that scene exists in it. Like it happened again where I'm watching it. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, they throw this weird scene in where he like has these little people and they introduce themselves and they have these little fights. And yeah. it's like, this has He's nothing to do with jump. anything. But you know, I, I, I it's kind of like Star Wars, right? Yeah. With the the game with the yes, the 3D yeah. chess. Yeah, although it spends a lot more with it than Star Wars yeah. does with the chess. Yeah. yeah. That is absolutely right. So that, I mean, I think, I think that's part of the fun of this film is like, there's a little bit like, 
The original Frankenstein, great film. We enjoyed it back on episode, you know, you just gave us the number. 110. Um, 110. Fantastic film. Don't want to take anything away from it. But it is a fairly different. straightforward, streamlined, but straightforward telling of the Frankenstein story. Mm-hmm. This is them like, okay, what do we do with this character now that we've kind of exhausted? Well, they go back to the book and they pull a little bit out because I guess there was, I have never read Mary Shelley's uh, Frankenstein. I read, I read that in college. It was I read it in, in my English in, class. Uh, I think it was sophomore year, maybe. But there is so, so th- but there is a year? moment where he wants a bride. So pulling something from the Shelley book that doesn't get fully developed. But then the idea of Pretorius, yeah. that's totally, you know, the creation of, uh, I can't remember who the screenwriters here There's were. There's a, a lot of them. The, the, yeah. I was doing a lot of research because yeah. I was just so curious about it because it's so remarkably different than the well first i think film. and what's so amazing is that you know you have this thing that like again whale at least initially didn't really want to do this they had multiple screenwriters kind yeah. of working on different versions Four or of five where versions. could we take this they had different names for it it was going to be the return of frankenstein it was going to be the this it was going to be but finally they land on bride of frankenstein like he then says the bride only actually shows up in the last three minutes of the film and isn't really a big factor in it although the look yeah oh of, man iconography her it, yeah. is unmistakably iconic you you see that even if you've never seen this film you know that like sort of kind of backwards or like, like shot back beehive or whatever yeah. with the with the, the uh, silver streak. flare yeah. or the white flare or whatever it is just magnificent what they kind of just put together here and i mean i feel like and i didn't take the time to do it, but i feel like if i tried to break this down narratively and kind of think about like okay how did they like sort of plot this out. They put him in a dungeon so he can break out in five seconds. Yeah. Just to have a set piece. I don't think it works very well. I think if you were to teach this in like a screenwriting class, you would never want your students to read this and be like, this is a Oh, this is what you should shoot Mm -hmm. for. Because this is such a weird piece together story that's like a version. But it works. And I think a lot of it has to do with what Ethan was talking about. Like the sets are incredible. The cinematography. The the lighting that they're using. It's very much, you know, drawing from the German expressionist uh, stuff. I was out the decade before that. Even more so than the first Frankenstein film, which it was already there. But that, but it became more pronounced here. The makeup, the costuming. And even the bits of humor that get thrown in, like that weird homunculus scene in the, in the middle of it where you're just like, okay, we're going to do this. This is kind of funny. What, what What's going on here? Okay, great. There's like a silly – and I, it's been described as camp by many people. Yeah, I'm not yeah. – and, and I think there are – there's enough there to tell me – I don't, you don't have to take this too seriously. Just enjoy it. Well, Just go like, with it. I, you know, to think about the historical context, I was wondering as I was watching, I was thinking, oh, this is horror. So this isn't like, this isn't a genre that was considered like an adult legitimate. Right. This was low entertainment, brow, yeah. right? This, but it was an era when movies were made for everyone. Wide yeah. audiences, you know. So there's elements of it that are just like spectacle and for the kids, but then there's this camp side of it that I think is also there appealing to to the parents and right. the grown ups in the audience right. too. Interestingly, overseas countries censored the film because too much of Mary Shelley's breasts were exposed. Oh, just from that opening scene. The really? opening wow. scene, Frankenstein's monsters while looking at Elsa lovingly perhaps or interestingly yeah. that's uh suggestive of necrophilia well i i did think there, 1931 you know, man when the bland the, no, the blind guy was uh introducing him to all the pleasures whether things were going to get carnal for a second yeah now let's try this <laughs> if it was uh you know god of gods and monsters is is uttered yeah. which is of course gods and monsters is the film about frank whale James Whale. That's what I said. Starring Ian McKellen. That right. made most Americans and aware Brandon of Fraser. Ian McKellen. Yeah. yeah. Brendan Fraser. This film is a is a landmark. And is it a party film? Oh, I think you could definitely have this on in the background and enjoy seeing. I mean, like, I think, it's a, on I think it's a down. film that deserves your attention. I think yeah. you should watch it. But it would absolutely. I mean, like the, the laboratory scenes, the, the, the laboratory scene. I'm. I no kidding. Next year, I'm going to make my students watch this film around Halloween for cinematography. Yeah, because that whole scene where they're bringing her to life, all these cantidates, lots of cantidates. Oh yes, yes. Some call them Dutch. Yeah, 
I, I, I said that to Aaron as we were watching it. I'm like, he one after really another. leans into those canon angles here. We know something's awry. But, but you know, it is like I said, like the the production design, just the production overall, the filmic quality of yeah. it is higher than I think you might expect. Yes. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's it's beautiful to see something that kind of doesn't take itself too seriously. Yes. Be real serious about how it's presenting itself. And not waste your time at all. 75 minutes. I, yeah, I agree. But I think agree. we are in the studio system because 1931's Frankenstein mm. was a phenomenon that opened up Universal spending money on the Universal Monster series. Right. Lugosi's Dracula, Wolfman. The Invisible Man. That's yeah. Cheney, right? Lon Chaney, yeah. Yeah. This is, we're going to make a movie that we know is going to make money because everyone wants to is doing these. Everyone's going to these. So yeah. they're putting more budget in. I wish I had w- had the time to watch the original Frankenstein again to see what that evolution had mm. been. I, th- there's a lot of technological advancement here, mm-hmm. but also the studio saying we're gonna we're gonna make so much money. With and this by thing. the way, we're you gonna can make watch so this much money for free on YouTube, and not just some crappy version that somebody uploaded. This really no, good, it's a legit high, version, yeah. high quality, so you you can see that. Which means what? It's outside of the. Uh, I don't think it's, it's public domain. Really actually, I, no, I don't not. know why it's. It, honestly, I'm I'm not sure. But it, what is public domain? 125 years, right? I think it's 100 because yeah, Mickey, Mickey just Mouse became just, yeah. part of the public domain. And they're making a horror slasher. Yeah. The, well, the, it's Steamboat Willie Mickey. It's it's right. the very early Mickey. That's we can't do 1950s like you know um, yeah. whatever gussied up uh, you know Fantasia. more more developed Mickey yet. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we we can do like the bare bones black and white Mickey. Oh, wow. Yeah. This is a great pairing. Yeah. Do you think we should talk now or should we wait for after hours to discuss the other film that we decide not to talk about, but I think it begs discussion. Okay. Oh, okay. Let's wait for after hours. Okay. Because it was going to be weird science. With and I did not things. rewatch that one. Well, yeah, let's talk about that in, in I will. Hours. I will act out the entire movie for you. <laughs> okay. We'll stop now. Can I be I'll Bill enti- Paxton though? Can I? You, you may. Okay. You may be Chet. Mm-hmm. Who, who, who's Kelly LeBrock? I'll do she, Kelly LeBrock. Okay. Ethan's all the characters. Okay. Michael I'm going to do Chet. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Yeah. And we'll be back after that. <laughs> Bride of Frankenstein should be one that any film lover says is, is in their encyclopedia. Well, it's, and it is one of those, I'm not alone in saying this, it's one of the few like sequels that really does almost eclipse the original. Like I said, Frankenstein is a great film. Don't miss that one either. But this is a more enjoyable film. This is a, f- this film is more fun. There's more ideas packed into it. There's just more stuff going on. I think y- you're, you're doing yourself a disservice if you, if you don't check this one out. There's a lot of queer reading in the film. I don't know if we want to yeah. go into that for a second. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know that reading is there and many have said that, you know, like Frankenstein himself is, is looking for a friend, not necessarily a female companion. He seems just as enamored with the blind man he meets. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, they are about to give each other hand jobs. Yeah. Okay. The, That's the, as uh, he does. Cut. And he's really, I, I wasn't going to bring this up, but you know, Frankenstein kind of the first incel the monster i should say because when he gets rejected by her i mean there's there's not even discourse there's no like baby could we work this out it's just (laughs) we all need to die (laughs) yeah your rejection is causing me to kill us both yeah well it's like you know we're unnatural and i guess that's the cover is like frankenstein's monster has realized that he's an abomination and that he and Pretorius, who wanted to create more of him, and the bride who he did create, all need to perish because they're unnatural. They're they're yeah. not what should be on this earth, and they, and they need to go away. But I do. I think the incel reading is there as well. So you know that's that, that's an interesting one. Great where, movie. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad we had a chance. To talk about that's, that's that's a really good one. Great movie. Great beer? Question mark. Because we yeah. know we we. We killed our palate with that. I know, right? It's all. It's tough when you're going from something backwards. that's like as heavy with the flavor as that quad IPA was mm-hmm. in the first half to something that's not going for that kind of robust flavor profile. It's much more muted. It's much more in comparison. Mm-hmm. But I think on its own accord, I think this is a really nice Irish red ale. I think you know, and looking at the can here, I thought I was getting a uh, coffee stout. Something oh, about the, the brown, dark brown, yeah. like, wow. and I was really happy. I guess not it's to kind of a maroon, but it's more of a brown. Yeah, we talk about that from time to time, Ethan. I don't know how often you get a chance to listen, but like the marketing of the beer 
establishes in your mind what that beer could taste like. And you're absolutely right. The color of that label here, you know, but, but look, look at it next to the, the beer. Yeah, it's they actually, actually pretty did capture accurate. it pretty well. Yeah, I'm so glad you said Killian's earlier because I think for the uneducated beer audience, if they've ever had a Killian's, and chances are you know, you do before you're 30, 40. That's what we're talking about here, the, the red ale. This is, I think, an, an exceptional version mm-hmm. of it. I enjoyed drinking this very, very much. If I could do it all over again, we'd have to switch the order of the films because going from their six point, yeah, six percent even, yeah, to the 12.4, it's not the way I like to drink beer if I'm going to do a whole bunch of different things. Yeah. I like to finish the night with the hot, the hottest one, the biggest one, yeah, and uh, because sometimes those pilsners, those lagers, I know, David, that are your favorite, if your palate's wrecked and you begin drinking, those aren't going to taste the, the subtleties yeah. of those are yeah. lost, absolutely. That's not, not, not that that happened here, just kind of a general notion of uh, why we typically, when we're doing the show and have a choice, go from a lower ABV to a higher ABV in that order. Yeah. But this is this is exceptional. I'm glad I have two more. Y'all, are, y'all aren't getting it, one of these. I'm going to enjoy these you, myself. You really did knock it out of the park with the parents, I mm. have to say. Yeah. You'll yeah, never drink alone. You'll never drink or smoke alone. <laughs> That's all he wants. He doesn't want to be alone. He just wants a friend and That's stop right. shooting me because I yeah. look different than you. Yeah. I didn't mean to drown that girl. Yeah. We were throwing stuff in the river. I didn't know. Yeah. Just like Bella Baxter. I, I didn't know you're not supposed to put the cucumber inside me at the <laughs> dinner table. God, that's a funny scene. That's a thing we don't well, what do. What if you like to put this cucumber inside of me? Yeah. Favorite lines. Uh, from which ones? Either. I, I mean, can't that would have to be like, that would have to R be word, The R word is in my favorite oh, line. Yeah. Not my favorite uh, line. She's a pretty of, retard. Uh, you funny. can say it. She's a fu- funny. Oh, what I a funny I retard. Pretty. And that's the thing. It, it's a horrible word that we're not supposed to say. But that's in maybe in 1990. I'm sorry, 1890. Steampunk you England, you can say it. laughing at that? Did, Did I get slapped for, for laughing, at, laughing that? at that? I think like metaphorically slapped. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. did laugh out loud, but no one was next. I laughed out loud. And the reason why is because it's the first time. Remember at the, when poor things I said, the beginning is confusing. You're seeing so much weird shit. When um, Rami says that line. Mm-hmm. What a funny retard. It <laughs> lets you know that this is a comedy more than it is anything else. And it took me the second viewing to understand poor thing. Ethan, another I viewing. I'm not wrong. Sorry. No, 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 you're, not wrong. you're not wrong. But you yeah, and I. Yeah, the you, ickiness you is going to be there, you man. And I, was, I'm, I feel like I need a third viewing. Let's with, go on a mandate. Me with, and you. With Ethan's take. Third, 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 uh, I'll go for the third time. Let's go see poor things. Go see it again. It's I don't. I, 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 I'm going to need, I'm gonna need some time, man. Oh. I'm going to need some time. Okay. My favorite line in uh, Bride of Frankenstein: "You'll get your meat, mother." Yeah. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what about the um, <laughs> a character that was clearly an inspiration visually for Help Me in Young Frankenstein? Cloris Leachman's character's name: Frau Bu- Brula. Frau. Bu- <laughs> Every time they say your name. Yeah. The visual representation, clearly inspiration for that is that they're made that is everywhere. Oh, she's right. Yeah. Hilarious, and right? she's a horrible melodramatic actress. Yeah. Is she the, like the over the, the one top? who sees, the one who sees Frankenstein's monster Emerge. and goes and tries to warn everybody and right. then nobody listens. She's like, I give up. Right. I don't care. <laughs> right. She's talking directly to the camera. Yeah. You're not listening to me. Well, yeah. it's off my hands. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what a fun pairing. I would love yeah. to go see these two back to back in the theater. Yeah. Well, I, I guess our talk is over. Over, but you know what, David, Ethan, the conversation doesn't end just because these microphones go off. Oh, because, it doesn't? No, the conversation continues. We are on all the social media, all of it. The beer and a movie, look for the black and white logo. And then we're also, though. Are you guys uh, on Truth Social? <laughs> uh, we're, not, we're on most of it. Okay. Most of it. Just clarify. Yeah, um, we, we, we aren't on the talk yet either. Yeah, so, I, yeah. I got mad at David when he put us on Truth Social. I was like, dude, <laughs> stop it. Uh, but we're also on this after hours that we keep talking about. That's another 30, 45 minutes, mm-hmm. an hour of just free discussion over there at Patreon, patreon.com slash beer and a movie podcast. Go to beer and a movie podcast.com, our website where you can buy, I don't know, merch and shirts. And yeah, there's that see, public link there. Yeah. See some stuff that we put together where it's like the link letter episode. The, what would this episode be called? The, uh, mm, the, the dystopian bride of Frankenstein. There episode. you go. Yeah. Know, something like that. Yeah. And no matter where you are listening right now, hey, do us a favor and go straight into those reviews, write a little review, put a five-star rating. It really does help us, and we appreciate it when you do that. You have been listening to another dystopian Frankensteinian <laughs> episode of Beer and the Frankensteinian. Movie. Ethan, thank you so much for coming. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me. It's just an excuse for us to hang out. You know, I need friends. <laughs> friends. <laughs> hey, man, you'll never drink alone. <laughs>
Until next time. What of the tongue play you are about to perform? Is it not happening? Thank you.